The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week, and it is a pleasure to be joined by my co-host this week, Zach Sloan. How's it going, Zach? Ah, I'm loving the setup, man. It looks like you've done some things to your backdrop behind you. You moved some things around in what I still admit is the coolest studio space in the biz right now. Looking great, and your space is looking great. How you doing, man? I'm great. I mean, the only thing that bums me out is in the new arrangement, you can't see my guitar collection. But have no fear, listeners, because I know I realize visual references are great for an audio medium. Uh, I have a guitar closet still, so don't worry. They're, they're still, I still own the guitars. Well, don't worry, folks, because even if you can't see his guitar collection, like any guitar player, he, it won't be in, uh, in five minutes before he mentions his guitar collection. So don't worry. Or my miniature guitar case. <laughs> with with D&D dice in it, right? You you know it, my man. All right. So, speaking of nerd stuff, because I, I know I can always come to you with this stuff. Tell me you have seen the new Amazon series, Invincible. The new superhero series. I have series. heard of it. I have not Zach, it. Zach, it is so good, man. It is right up your alley. A TV recommendation for you, man. You have to see Invincible. Invincible. If you were a fan of the... Of any of those cartoon superhero shows in the 90s, your, your Batmans in that, you know, Batman the Animated Series, Gargoyles, any of those, it's that, but like more for adult, like more PG-13 kind of content, and it's just so great. You had me at Gargoyles, dude. Oh, ever, Gargoyles, right? Come on. Like, Gargoyle, I, I, you know, if, if it has any of that, that gritty Gargoyle action, I think I'd be to- 100% down. It's super gritty. And here's the other thing about it, because as we know, this is Amazon, and Jeff Bezos, he used the infinite dollars SimCity cheat code, so he's got an unlimited budget right. for this. And so they've brought in every freaking big star, okay? J.K. Simmons, Sandra Oh, Stephen Yoon. Seth Rogen, Zachary Kinto, just it's absolutely stacked this cast. And and it's so crazy because you'll you'll watch the show and you'll be like, whose voice is that? Oh my God. And thankfully, Amazon has that feature wherever you pause, it'll give you the names of all the actors who are on screen at the time. Because you're doing that the whole time. You're like, oh my God, that voice is so distinctive. Oh right, that's JK Simmons. (laughs) That sounds awesome. (laughs) It's it's absolutely incredible. And speaking, and we got a stacked cast this evening as well, Zach Sloan. Joining us after the break, Leonard Patterson. This guy's awesome, a live streaming expert. We need a live streaming expert around here. You and I, were in the world of live streaming now. We got to talk to somebody about it who knows his stuff. And this guy knows his stuff. He has a new book, 365 Live Stream Ideas for Musicians. It dropped on April 26th. It's available on Amazon. I'm excited to talk to him all about it. And as we bring more live streamers into our community, Zach. Because remember, we were an indie artist, indie musician community at the beginning, but we're bringing in more live streamers and podcasters, so I'm excited to have a guest who can speak to that community. And frankly, even the musicians, 
if you're not live streaming, you should be because there's a lot of potential here. We're going to talk about that during the show, just how much financial potential there is in live streaming. And then I know after we talk about that, we're going to bring in Leonard Patterson, who's going to continue to show us why live stream is so exciting. And, uh, you know, but, but now we're part of this community, Zach, we are now live streamers. Well, and I'll tell you one thing I'm interested to hear from Leonard is about different ideas and ways to stream because I'm a musician. I always feel a little awkward. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm an indie artist. I have played to hundreds of empty bars, but playing in a room to an audience out there, I would love some guidance on. So I'm really looking forward to what he has to say. That's an interesting perspective. So I imagine for somebody like you who's cut their teeth in the real world, in the you know actual playing at the bars and the venues, you're probably used to that real-time audience feedback, that cheering crowd, seeing them out there, the heat of the lights. And right. so live streaming is a transition for you, and you're probably still trying to navigate how to do that best. Absolutely. And just to figure out, you know, weird, like the, the years and hours of reps I've put in on stage presence and stage show, I feel like I've just lost. I almost feel like a Broadway actor who's going to film. It's like, how do I do these things? I don't know. So I, I'm, I'm excited to hear what's, what I should be doing better. I mean, it, it's something this podcast needs, right? We're, we are, this podcast is new to live streaming. I'm excited. I'm, I'm hoping we get some free advice on him about how we can do this as best we can now that we are part of the Twitch community. But first, got That's a couple. That's why I'm here, man. Yeah, let's do it. Got a couple great stories to share with you. Just This is one of those weeks where just the, the news just kept on coming. We, we only could pick the coolest stories this week to fit in the time of the show. But I first want to talk to you, Zach, about an article by Lee Jin. Uh, one of, bar none, I think one of the best uh, writers about uh, the tech industry, entertainment industry. She's great. And this, is a, this article knocked me out. The article's titled, Apple's, Apple is holding, oh, sorry. Um, is Apple's App Store holding back the creator economy? is what this one's about. And basically she she writes about how the way that Apple structures its app store, which is how a lot of people consume content from indie creators, how that structure is, you know, taking a lot of money out of creators' pockets and ultimately inhibiting their ability to create. So millions of people consume creative content through uh, the iPhone and their Apple App Store. I know I do, whether it's podcasting or apps. I mean, app the app store is probably the primary way I consume content. And this is a good thing because it does create a frictionless experience. I, I can download all the apps through one place. Uh, one pay, place processes all the payments. So there's a lot for me to like as a consumer. But as Legion notes in her article, some of these policies, which may create a frictionless experience, might also be inhibiting the ability of indie artists to, th- artists to thrive. And so one of the examples she goes into in the article, Zach, is talking about how The App Store requires all the purchases to go through Apple's in-app purchase system, which is what we talked about. It helps create that frictionless experience. I don't have to go through different payment platforms to pay for things that creators create on the App Store. The problem is Apple takes as much as a 30% cut for their in-app purchases, which to give you a uh, basis of comparison, payment processing platforms like Stripe, or uh, what I use in my legal practice, law pay to take money from clients, is like a 3% cut. So this is a slightly higher, and this is a problem for a lot of creators because there are many platforms that creators use that are already taking a cut from artists. You think of something like Cameo, which is becoming a really popular app for celebrities to engage in f- with fans one-on-one. You can get a, a celebrity that you like to wish 
a loved one of yours a happy birthday, make them a video or something. And if Cameo is going to take a 25% cut from those creators, which is their standard rate, and then Apple takes another 30% on top of that, the creators only got about half of the revenue generated. So you can see how that system can take a lot of money out of an artist's uh, pocket quickly. Another financial thing you see, Zach, is the fact that creators are limited by how much they can charge for an in-app purchase on the App Store, and the limit is $999.99. Now, obviously, for most creators, that's a lot of money. Like Many artists will say, I'm never going to charge that much for a product, but what if you're selling something like courses, like a lot of indie creators are doing, or the new thing now, NFTs, which you know, depending on the circumstance, can price well into the four, five, six figures. And so as these new models are creating themselves, the app store's constraints may inhibit an artist's ability to take advantage of these new models. That's an interesting thought because I know a ton of artists who are doing coursework, whether it be marketing, audio production, even lessons. Lessons, yeah. to have a and to have a cap like that strikes. I wonder. I, my first thought is, why nine ninety nine ninety nine? Are we are we looking at a Y two K situation where they just can't process the extra <laughs> that's, digit? That's right. Um, they didn't program for it. But yeah, I can definitely see how to your average person you might not think that's a big deal. But I can think of off the top of my head several of my friends who this could be a problem for. Yeah. Now speaking of places where the app store creates a problem for creators, another big one which many artists, you might think on the surface, well, this isn't going to be a problem, but for many artists it is, is App Store, the App Store has content restrictions. You know, uh, things that uh, might appeal to, you know, be sexual in nature or appeal to the Peruvian interest, you cannot run through the App Store, which for most artists aren't a big deal. But as you're seeing the rise of platforms like OnlyFans, for example, which for certain creators are becoming very lucrative, the app store won't process your payments. And so, and, you know, when a company has those sort of philosophies about, you know, we have a philosophical or ideological objection to certain types of content on the surface, that doesn't seem like a bad thing because it's a free market. But when you're somebody like the Apple app store, where you're not just another participant in the market, but you essentially are the market, you know, you are the marketplace where people exchange good services as it is for like, 40% of the people who are consuming content on their phones or more, when you say we're not going to allow certain types of content, whether it's sexual in nature or whether it's, you know, over a thousand dollars or anything else that, that has a stifling effect on creativity and for indie creators. Yeah. And it's because the marketplace is so, or at least the location of the marketplace rather is so narrow. It's very hard for a lot of these creators to pick up their ball and go somewhere else. Yeah. Right, particularly if you, because I mean, we can we've seen the split between say Spotify listens and uh, Apple Music listens. Sometimes you have an entrenched audience in one on in one place versus the other. It's almost impossible to try and move those people to an additional, uh, you know, for an additional click to pay for other things when they could. Well, they're just going to say, "I'd rather just stay in the Apple Store." So, I see the I I can in my head understand why these restrictions might exist, but practically I, I have some real concerns with how this can impact musicians, particularly some, some of the hip-hop artists I really like who may be deemed objectionable, but that is sort of the point they're trying to make. So I, I have some reservations, Ryan. Yeah, I, I think Legion put it really well in the article. She noted that 
Apple cannot act as a marketplace but behave like a product. And that's really the problem is that they are they you know they're seeing the App Store as a product and as any product they're trying to appeal to a broad base of consumers and create a frictionless effective experience for consumers as any product should while forgetting that they are functionally also a marketplace and the largest marketplace and so by trying to create po- policies that create the best product they could be creating policies that create the a less great marketplace which hurts the millions of creators that depend on the app store to thrive so uh pretty pretty crazy but i i I definitely encourage people to check this article out it's in every it's and it's really terrific um i want to move on to this next article because i'm telling you like i i want to get into these topics deeper zach because they warrant that kind of attention but i'm telling you there was so much great news this week that I wanted to talk about. This is actually a story I've been holding on to for a couple weeks, and I've been waiting for just an opening, and this is a good one. A couple weeks ago, music economist Will Page, formerly of Spotify, released a really, really cool white paper that analyzed the economics of Twitch. I figure since we have Leonard Patterson coming on in the next segment, a a nice Twitch-specific story uh, would fit in right well. The the paper is entitled Twitch Rocket Rockonomics, Great, great name. And it analyzes yes. the various ways that creators can monetize on the platform and the extent to which the platform could be superior to other platforms when helping creators make money. And what, uh, just to kind of skip to the end here, what Will Page attempted to do in this white paper is try to attach a dollar value to a Twitch stream, uh, to, to like a Twitch presence. Basically, he took all the different ways that a Twitch streamer can monetize, whether it's ads, whether it's subscriptions, or as they call in the Twitch world, subs, subs. or whether it's uh, tips, which the Twitch people call bits. You know, he took all these different ways that Twitch users made money. He took all the data and just, you know, did economist stuff to it that's beyond my comprehension, and basically calculated that the average Twitch user earns about... 15 cents per viewer per hour. So for every single viewer that a that watches a Twitch stream for one hour, a Twitch streamer makes about 15 cents. Now it's hard to kind of encapsulate what that means compared to other platforms. And so what you know what he encourages his readers to do in the article is think about something like Spotify. Okay. Spotify pays about cents per stream. So if you, if a, if a Spotify listener is listening to your music for an hour straight, which would be sort of akin to watching a Twitch stream for an hour straight, that comes out to about a nickel per hour. So, you know, basically a, you know, Twitch, if you, you crunch the numbers that way, Twitch is three times more profitable than Spotify for the same amount of time. So, you know, a, a person listens to you on Spotify for an hour, you get about a nickel. Somebody watches you on Twitch for an hour, you get 15 cents. And that's, by the way, if you're not signed to a record label. If you're signed to a label and you're only getting a 20% royalty, then you're talking about a 15x difference in the amount of money you're accumulating. So I thought it was pretty interesting and kind of a – and uh, he, they, they, they also note in the article that more established artists on Twitch can earn as much as 25 to 75 cents per viewer hour. And I, I spoke to some Twitch creators about this because I wanted to see how much – 
that analysis tracked with their daily life. And uh, one, one, uh, one group of creators told me that they think it's actually an underestimation. Uh, th- this is a group of musicians who told me that they've earned more money on Twitch in the last quarter alone than they've earned on Spotify streams in the last 10 years. So uh, take for that what you will. Ryan, you've just sent me on a roller coaster of emotion. So we start off <laughs> 15 cents an hour per list per viewer, and I'm going, oh, that sucks. And then as soon as the word Spotify came out of your mouth, I was like, actually, that sounds pretty good. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and I think there, there's something to that, right? Like the idea that the thing that I, the, something to the idea that not only is there, are they worth air quotes 15 cents an hour, but also there is an interaction you get by streaming live with your fans or with just the casual passerby that might convert a fan to a super fan or a casual to a fan um, that just doesn't exist in other mediums. So yeah, what I'm thinking is, is I think I'm back on the upswing on, on the Twitch roller coaster. So yeah, well, you had me nervous though, dude. Well, that, that 15 cents per viewer hour, right? It's only, as you noted, it's only considering the monetization of ad subscriptions and bits. It doesn't mm-hmm. say anything about the, potential income that might come from crafting fan engagement, right? Twitch is a great fan engagement tool. You can interact with commenters. You build a community. You're talking to them oftentimes one-on-one through those common interactions. And it's a great way to turn a fan into a super fan. Spotify streams are a passive experience. You know, you're listening to that person's music, but there's no way you can say, hey, I really like this song, great stuff. Um, the other piece of it that I think hurts the argument for Spotify in terms of listener hour versus viewer hour, it's very possible that you're going to, if you're watching an artist on Twitch, you're going to watch them for an hour. M- many of the people that were watching this now, we're hoping are going to stay with us for the whole hour. Unless you really love an artist, you're probably not going to listen to them on Spotify for 60 minutes straight that often. In fact, many of the times when you're exposed to an artist in Spotify, it's in the context of a playlist, and you're one of 20 artists you're listening to in that hour. So you're much more likely to get a listener or a viewer hour from Twitch and getting that 15 cents than you would be to get a listener hour from Spotify and get the five cents. Dude, you started. We started off tonight with me thinking, I don't know if streaming is ever something I really want to do as a musician, and now you're making one heck of an argument for the fact that maybe streaming is the best way to cultivate the live show experience now. Um, because even take take and set COVID aside, a lot of musicians, I've been there. I know a lot of musicians who are currently in places that live music is not really a thing. This allows them to still craft a stage show, to still perform in a way that maybe is the best medium for them is live, not necessarily recorded. So this would give them the opportunity to showcase those talents. Without a doubt. And I would just imagine that, you know, there, you know, and this is probably why a lot of musicians are eager to get back into like the physical live shows is if we want to take this same metric about, you know, money earned per viewer hour, you know, and this is probably something that you can speak to Zach as, as, as a touring musician, but let's say you're playing, uh, a coffee shop or, and there's a uh, hundred people there and that like, how much would a coffee shop pay you in your area for that kind of show? A hundred people for an hour. Depending on where, I mean, I could I, I've gotten anywhere between one and 250 bucks or something like that. There you go. So if you're playing for an hour for 250 bucks and there's a hundred people there, that's effectively, 
two dollars a dollar fifty per listener per viewer hour so you're getting a much bigger multiple in the live world which is why i imagine a lot of artists are eager to get back into the live world i guess what twitch gives you though is the possibility if you can get really successful of packing a lot more people into your virtual coffee shop you know, if you can you know you might be able to get ten thousand twenty thousand a hundred thousand people watching you on twitch you're not gonna be able to fit all those people into a coffee shop and so you get more volume on twitch but yeah i can see why with those numbers, people want to get back into the coffee shops. Yes, but now that we're talking this through out loud, and I hadn't thought about this till just now, when you're on the road playing gig after gig, gig after gig, your ex- expenses are very high. Oh, uh, if, you're, if you're doing weeks on the road, like you, let's just say you walk out of that coffee shop gig with two hundred bucks or whatever, you're still going to have to get your van to the next place. You're going to have to f- food like. You know, the streaming thing is looking more and more attractive the more we talk about the real, uh, the the reality of what touring is like. That's such a good point, Zach. I I, I didn't even consider that right. Because we're only looking at it on the revenue side of the ledger. There's a lot of costs to the physical live performance. And, you know, what's the old adage of like a a, a musician will drive a a $500 car with a $5,000 speaker in it to go to, you know, 50, you know, 500 miles to do a $50 gig, right? Like, you know, a lot of musicians often play gigs where they wind up losing money by the end of the night just because they want to play that gig so bad because live gigs are expensive in the real physical world. Whereas on Twitch, you know, your variable cost can be very low. You just turn on that camera and you, you play in your, you know, in Zach Sloan's super cool basement studio there. And, uh, (sighs) That okay, you're right. So we do need to we do need to consider the cost side of the ledger. That's fair. <laughs> and okay, so if you're an artist like me who are a songwriter and you live in areas where you are where venues mostly want cover acts, this is a great way to be able to just set your own terms for what your show is going to be. Ah, I can take um, that. That makes perfect. Okay, sense. you know what? The more we talk about this, the more I'm. Re- I want to hear what this Le- what Leonard has to say because I feel like I just need to be taking notes. I got my paper. Dude. There you go. All right, so we've convinced Zach that he should be uh, <laughs> making music on Twitch. And by the way, a a Zach Twitch live stream, I would be all over that. That would be a fun show to watch. But right, let's get Zach some advice so he can do this really well. We got Ladder- Leonard Patterson, the author of 365 live stream ideas for musicians, coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Break the business coming right back in two minutes. Ryan Carella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm, RKPA, does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Carella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life.
Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. This week's guest is a live stream strategist and content marketer. His new book, 365 Live Stream Ideas for Musicians, dropped on April 26, and it's available on Amazon. Happy to be chatting with our guest this week, Leonard Patterson on Break the Business. Hello, Leonard. Hey, hey, guys. How is it going tonight? It is going so great, man. You are just what the doctor ordered right now. As you can see, we are talking all about live streaming this week, and boy, are we in need of an expert. I want to start you off with this. I think you were listening to a little bit of our discussion of that Twitch Rockonomics white paper about how musicians are monetizing and, and what specifically musicians could potentially or any creator could potentially earn on a live streaming platform like Twitch. Do you have any thoughts yeah. on that white paper? I do. I read that white paper. Um, I'm in love with that white paper. I like to see, <laughs> I like to see creative things kind of broken down like in an analytical way. It's like, Oh, I never you know thought about that. Like I would never want to do that, but like to but have someone spend hours. Yeah. Have <laughs> someone spend hours to do that and break it down for me. That's great. But yeah, I think Zach uh, kind of touched on it because um, I was I was taking notes. I'm like, well, yeah, that's a good correlation. However, you got to consider, like he said, the expenses because I was just thinking, yeah, that hour that you're going to be at the gig, though, doesn't include the time to get there, doesn't include the load-in time. You know, I was in an eight-piece band, so, like, we're getting to gigs, like, three hours, maybe sometimes even four hours ahead of time. But then we do a three-hour show. Then it takes us two hours to load out. So, like, all of that time, obviously, is considered in the gig. Well, you're so on it's the clock, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like, there's some other there's some other factors. But I will say, um, as much I've only had a little bit of experience, like, of actually going live with Twitch, just, you know, in-home daycare and all that kind of stuff. It just takes a toll. But, um, <laughs> but I will say... Twitch is one of the easiest platforms to monetize on. Like it's obviously it was built with with gamers in mind and things like that. So the gamification, the tools, the tips, the bits, you know, all of those things are so far ahead of a lot of other platforms. Um, but it also does take some time and commitment uh, to be present on the platform, maybe in comparison to like a Facebook Live where you might have you know, a, a built-in audience and things like that. But um, I am I am pro Twitch and obviously I am pro live streaming. So definitely. Well, what do you recommend for the people that are just getting into Twitch now? Like, I don't know, the host of this particular program. If you're trying <laughs> to build that community, right? Because you don't have the built-in community that you would get with Facebook, for example. What are some of the yeah. things that early Twitch streamers should be doing to build that community early on so that people can find the stuff that you're doing? They should, uh, one of the first things you should do is it, it's a little difficult to, to get your Facebook live and your Instagram, your, I should say your Facebook crowd and your Instagram crowd and other platforms over to Twitch. So that shouldn't necessarily be your main like focus, but definitely, definitely include that in all of your, your socials, all of your actual, um, posting and things like that. So it's going to take 
some time and some effort to get people over to what is still new for a lot of people. Twitch is still relatively new, not just for musicians, but like the fans and, you know, people that we'd want to come to watch. Um, but I would also recommend to really get the best bang for the buck is to be able to go live two to three times a week and for two to three hours at a time. So those extra um, long streams can be valuable, especially early on. Yes. Uh, Twitch is more of the lot, um, sorry, more of the long form experience, uh, more of the community, more of the let's hang um, experience where maybe an Instagram live or Facebook live might be more of the, you know, the shorter term, you know, obviously you can still go for longer times over there, but it doesn't take quite as long for people to, to catch on and for people to like, you know, tap into your stream there as it does really for Twitch. Um, Twitch is really an awesome uh, platform to, like I said, just kind of hang out. Um, I've, I've watched so many streams and here's the thing too, Zach, other musicians, I don't care what it is that you like to do music and, or whatever it is. I could almost guarantee you that you can find someone doing something very similar on Twitch right now. <laughs> there are so many, <laughs> there are so many different types of shows, so many different types of streams out there, um, that, you know, there are no rules. So it's like, you don't have to like fit in and say, oh, well, this stream has to be this and it's got to look like this. Sure. There's some tips to like stand out and things like that, but <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, the gates are open. Uh, <laughs> The, <laughs> the gates are open and the, the, you know, the bits are ready and the subs are, subs are primed and ready to go. <laughs> All right. I want to talk about your new book now. This is 365 live stream ideas for musicians. It dropped on April 26th. Yeah. Clearly yes. not enough ideas there. Like you, I mean, you could have probably had a few more 365, <laughs> not enough. We think we can all agree. You really skimped on the ideas. Is, do you have yeah. a favorite? Like, is there, is there a number one on the 365 ideas chart? Ooh. It's like making choose, yeah. choosing between yeah. your 365 children, I know. but Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, one of the more subtle ones that I didn't, real, excuse me, didn't realize was a thing, but that I've now noticed like in several podcasts or actual several live streams is basically one of the ideas um, I call this basically leading people on. And what it is is basically just in your conversation, you're always talking about what's coming up next so it's like hey after the break or hey yeah i got this question from so-and-so you know what in a couple of songs i'm going to tell you what i'm going to go ahead and play your request or funniest thing happened to me uh yesterday um as soon as i get done with this song i'm going to tell you this crazy thing that happened so it's like you're always like quote unquote leading people on you're giving them that hang on till the end and you know we've probably all attended webinars where it's like a, a standard tactic to say, hey, stay till the end and I'm going to give you this free download. Well, it's like what they used to you tell know? radio DJs in the old days about the tease, right? Yeah, exactly. But that is one of the more subtle ones that I think not enough you know, musicians and artists who are live streaming can use. And it's all about watch time. It's all about engagement. So it's like those little behind the scenes, subtle things that we can do to kind of prime the pump and keep people on longer. I think that's one of the, the most uh, easily usable um, ideas in the book. 
Well, speaking of things that artists are not doing, is there often a mistake, a common mistake that you see indie creators make with live streaming that you're like, oh, there it is again? Yes, there is, Ryan. Can I, I'm going to tell you what it is right now. Um, it's probably something it's, we're doing. No, no, actually, no. <laughs> These countdowns fault, have to whatever go. it is. No, I'm just like, <laughs> no, the, the thing that I, I, I feel like is still kind of common is basically playing to the live audience and not thinking about the replay audience. So it's the signing on and saying that, uh, you know, I'm going to wait for some people to get on. It's like, well, I know I'm only one person, but I'm here. Am I not good enough? You know, what the heck? But the gist of it is there's going to be more people, and I'm, you know, I should ask the guy that did the Twitter Rockonomics to do like a study, but I don't know what the percentage is, but there's going to be a whole heck of a lot more people that see your live stream after it's over than actual live when you're there. So just being able to start um, and come on and say, have just a little a little sentence or a paragraph or something that you do or a countdown timer, something where, you know, you can go live and people know that something's about to happen. Um, you know, you've got your, your intro credits and things like that. Stuff like that is awesome. But then when you're live, you're live and you're talking to someone who's there. And then when people watch the replay, you're already instantly engaged. So that's probably a mistake I see quite, quite often still. So. And that certainly tracks with my own experience. A lot of the Twitch creators that I discover are rarely live. It's always somebody yes. that I find later and go, oh, man, this replay is awesome. I'm going to follow them and then check them out next time they stream live. So that that definitely tracks. Yes. Leonard, I, I want to do something here with you, okay? So I want to I want to retain you to give 60 seconds of advice to your new client, Zach Sloan. All right? Something you need to know about mm. Zach here, Okay. Not okay. only a, a terrific indie musician, but just one of the kindest human beings you're ever mm. going to meet. And I feel like he has a personality that's going to just kick ass on live stream. Everybody's going to want to hang out with him because he's so darn friendly. And But mm -hmm. you know, to my knowledge, I don't think he's ever done a Twitch live stream before as a musician. But I want him to get started with a bang. So you, you, know, you got him. You see what he looks like. You see what he's got going on there. Yeah. You, know, you see the okay. setup he's got behind him. He's got 10,000 guitars in his closet. What would you okay. recommend to him to get him started so that that first Twitch live stream is really a home run? I'm going to say now I don't see a clock, so I'm just going to start talking. So um, <laughs> I would say to really get started, think about your audience. Think about who your ideal fans really are. And then before you even, you know, click record on the first broadcast is to find out where they're hanging out. Um, so you're going to do a little, you know, going to do a little fishing um, whether it's Facebook groups, you know, obviously you probably have some warm audience, some fans that have maybe been to shows. And if you've toured, uh, things like that, that's the beauty of live streaming is that that tour doesn't matter where they're at. They're now <laughs> able to come to all of your shows. Um, but do a little bit of that. And I would say do some warm outreach, send some emails, um, start some Instagram stories like, hey, I'm thinking about starting this um and maybe you've got a couple of ideas or concepts of a show and you start to get people involved and say i'm thinking about this or this what do you guys think 
and do a, do some Instagram polls, uh, like Facebook polls or Twitter polls. But like spend, I, I'm not going to really know a time frame, but spend a good amount of time like talking about it, getting your fans involved in it, and like help have them help you build it, so that when you do click record for the first time, you're pretty confident that you've already built something that you've asked your people that they wanted and that's what you're going to give them. So if you've got even the smallest amount of, of, you know, diehard fans, super fans, what have you get them involved in it. And then it's not just you, it's all of you and you're going live with the community and it's like, sweet guys. Hey, this is what we, this is what we built. This is what we put together. And then, you know, take a little time to give a little surprise, maybe have a little, merch bundle maybe have a little mm. fan subscription or something where it's like hey you helped me build this hey community here's our you know zach streamer shirts uh you Sloniax. know <laughs> sloniacs there you go <laughs> hey sloniacs what's up <laughs> by the way i got some merch he's writing that down uh, sloniacs yes. good. <laughs> but yes yeah, and so obviously that's a little bit more pre-record than, you know, after you record. But after that, I would say definitely with it, if at all possible to have a schedule just to set those expectations of, you know, this is, these are the days that I go live. Um, This is what to expect just so that you can kind of claim your spot in their, in their mind. Um, So if they know every Tuesday at two, you know, Zach is going or Wednesday at one or Thursday at three. Oh man, I love alliteration. Anyway, um, so <laughs> Friday at four. Mm. Okay. Anyway, but Hey, that could be a whole thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's, that's kind of like the, the base, like first advice that I would give someone. And then from there, like just to start to tap into what you love to do, what you like to do. Um, and then build your show around those things that you really love because the more you like to do it, the more fun you're having, the less friction you're going to have to go live. So I just know some people that are like, oh, I've seen this work for this person and this work for that person. Let me go try and do something like that. And then it falls off after you know a few weeks or a month or something because it wasn't them or it wasn't something that they were built to do so. I believe we all have gifts and our <laughs> it's our obligation to share them. So how does that sound for you, Zach? You think you could put that together for us? You know, hey, I was taking notes and I'm gonna re- I'm gonna rewatch this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is not just plugging, but also honest. Uh, one thing Leonard pointed out to me that I had not thought of until today is that a Twitch stream or a, a live stream may be the next best thing to a live performance for someone like me who considers themselves a live act because of what you said about the replayability of the performance. If I play a show with my band, if you weren't there, you can't see it. But on this platform, the replayability seems like a really big opportunity. So thanks for pointing that out to me, to me man. Definitely. And just to just to tap on that little rabbit hole real quick too, um, I forget which actual plan it is, but uh, Restream, and there's other platforms out there like that, but I've seen a couple of people start to do this. Um, might not work with longer form 
live streams, but I've seen people do a live stream. Maybe it's just a few songs. Maybe it's like a 15-minute set or something like that. But I believe on one of the paid plans on Restream, and again, other platforms as well, you can then actually take upload that pre-recorded video and then play it again like several times, basically like syndicate it. But when you play it again, it will actually play as a live stream. Oh, So it's pre-recorded, but you're uploading it and Restream can transmit it as a live broadcast. So it's look, it feels live, it looks live, and all of that. You're going to get all of the engagement boost of an original live streams and things like that. Um, so that's another another option. Um, and again, Restream.io is one of them. I can't think there's a couple others off the top of my head, but yeah. Well, there's a, and you know, we use StreamYard here at Break the Business. It has some of that functionality as well, and it's great for multi-streaming. Uh, real quick, yeah. I, I do see a pretty terrific comment there on the bottom of the screen. Are there copyright concerns yes. if, the bland, if the band plays cover songs? Uh, as a lawyer, I can tell you, yeah, probably, but no, you know, it's all kind of up in the air and <laughs> be careful. Twitch says that you can, and but they're not really sure if you can. Um, it's more okay with a live stream than it is with on demand where it's, you know, almost assuredly not okay. Be careful. <laughs> yes. And the, I'm going to say 2018 music modernization act and all of the things that came with that are kind of what Facebook and other platforms have been responding to. And at least to my understanding, and again, I think you already made the clarification, this is not legal advice, um, <laughs> but my understanding reading the terms and conditions of the platforms is that you're probably going to be okay if you're playing those cover songs with live instruments and playing them yourself versus a lot of other types of streams, which are uh, vocalists performing to pre-recorded tracks. Yeah, that's definitely a no-no. Yeah, so the pre-recorded tracks, um, you know, it's it's hit or miss, but I've seen a lot of, of muted live streams, especially on Twitch. I've seen a lot of, you know, takedowns on Facebook and things like that. Um, but I believe at least the last iteration of, of what I interpreted was the, the the deals that they have struck struck with the record labels are you can play live the cover songs at least and, and not run into too much trouble but also depends on the artist because i've seen like people try to do some ed sheeran and like there's somebody knocking on the door like five minutes later like are you covered ed sheeran i'll do that <laughs> you can't be busting with a battering ram <laughs> right. the book is 365 live stream ideas for musicians it's available on amazon oh look at that and it's available in letter patterson's hand right there uh boy that's that's a sweet looking jacket there that's a that's a nice book cover I, i'm a i'm a this sucker one? for sleek looking book covers that one looks great um you can yeah, is be, there any way that we could you know i would love to swap books with you by the way let's let's Come absolutely on, do it um what? especially because i think i'm going to get a lot more out of your book because i really want to learn about live streaming and uh you know you might know a lot of the stuff that's well, in my book already because you're an expert so i feel like i'm going to win on this transaction but i appreciate it okay. i would love to swap yes, books with you definitely I mean, I like to break stuff, so that's a head start. So. <laughs> well, well that, that, I mean, it, once you're done with my book, it is good for like just throwing at things and breaking them. So 
there you go. It's 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 thick and and uh, and heavy enough. Leonard, this has been awesome. Thank you for teaching us so much. You're getting Zach into live streaming, which is a win for all of us in the entertainment biz. Uh, we are all going to be better people for that. One last question before we let you go. Do you have any yes. last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Yes, I do. Okay, great question. I am going to say, and this goes right along with what we've talked about with Zach. I don't know who said this quote, but um, I preach this and I'm going to say it again. And that is that there is progress in the process. So regardless of what is holding you back, and I don't even just, I'm not even talking live streaming necessarily. I'm just talking about your next steps, your goals, your dreams, those things that you want to pursue. Um, I firmly believe that you know, music is one of the things that, you know, connects us all. And it's one of the last things that we, we all have in common and it can speak to us in so many different ways. So I encourage artists all the time to kind of get rid of the, the, the invisible walls that they have in front of them, thinking about the quality of their music. There's so many bands that no one's ever heard of that I love their song. I love their music and I'm so glad that they put it out. And just know that there's someone out there that's waiting to hear your stuff. So just get started. Just get going. Don't worry about what you think it's supposed to be in comparison to someone else. Um, you have art. You have gifts. You have talent. And I kind of feel like you're obligated to share it. So um, there's progress in the process. So just get started. I love that. That's one of my favorite answers to that final question. Leonard, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute treat. I've had a ball, you guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Wow. Oh, man. I'm in I'm in a good mood after talking to him, Zach. Just, just so great, and I feel like he's got you more motivated than ever to get into live streaming, so that's a win. I'm feeling good. I, my, my principal objection to live streaming was always that it just didn't feel like a live show, but I think it may be the most live show thing you can do besides playing in a venue, so... I'm actually excited to try it out. So there, you, if you're in the chat right now, you saw I, I put it out there. I'm going to start live streaming. Well, now he has to because it's, it's been put in a chat, and that's basically a binding contract. We all know. Yeah, so, I mean, if you you got to read the terms that Ryan puts in the, in the chat. <laughs> well, so I do want to mention this one last quick piece before we get into our, our final topic for the week. Just, just to quickly go over again what that commenter brought up about sort of the, the law of doing covers on Twitch because – the way I like to explain it to creators in terms of like being able to play covers in terms of whether it's safe or not, whether you're going to get in trouble or not, is it really is a spectrum and there's more safe and there's less safe. And on one side of the spectrum where it's more safe is if you are doing a cover where you're not using any backing track, it's just you playing yourself and covering the song and you are doing it on the live stream in many cases, that is probably going to keep you out of trouble, although it's not 100%, but you know there are plenty of musicians covering music on Twitch in that context, and they're not getting into trouble. That's the most safe. And then as you change some of the facts, it becomes slightly less safe. So when you put those same covers in your on-demand for later, so you've done your live stream and then it's on-demand, it becomes a little bit less safe because some copyright lawyers will say that in that context— Twitch and the artist need a synchronization license, which can be very expensive. And so what I often recommend to cover artists is if you're going to cover songs, don't put the covers 
in your on-demand because the copyright law gets a little murkier there. And then all the way in no-no territory is using the actual sound recording of a copyrighted song. You know, karaoke or just having the song play in the background while you're doing something else and it's the actual recording— uh, that that is a that is a big time no no, and that's the kind of stuff that's going to get your account muted. You're going to get the DMCA strikes. You could get, you know, the nightmare scenario getting your account perhaps even taken down and losing all your followers and subs. That's obviously dangerous territory. So that's that's the piece I give there. But as always, you know, <laughs> heed the uh, the point in the beginning of the podcast where I say that uh, this is all informational purposes, no legal advice. Blah blah blah. Let's talk about Legends of the Hidden Temple, Zach. So much more important than than all the oh, things yeah. going on today. This is big news. As a child of the 90s, you a child of the 90s, how excited are you that, I'm going to go ahead and say it, the greatest television program that's ever been done is now being rebooted, Legends of the Hidden Temple, but for adults. How stoked are you for this? Silver Snakes, y'all. you got to get in on that sil- Silver Snakes action. Silver Snakes, solid. Deep cut. Solid. I mean, no, no Blue Barracudas, but... All better than Red Jaguars. We'll all agree. Yeah, and I think the numbers, I actually researched the most winning team in the original run of Legends of the Hitting Temple. The team that did have the highest win rate, Silver Snakes, Red Jaguars way at the bottom. I want to meet the person (laughs) who went back through every episode and was like tallying that up. Um, The answer is it was Zach. Uh, because, because we, because like you and like me, we all love this show. It, it was, I mean, so like to, to catch people up, you know, because you know, we might have some Gen Zers who just don't understand what the heck we're talking about. Legends of the Hidden Temple was this amazing game show for kids on Nickelodeon where you had to do these like physical challenges in a temple. And um, there was this giant talking rock named Olmec and this dude in cargo shirts named Kirk Fogg, who was the host. And you had to, like, recover these things from a, a temple, and then you got to go to space camp if you won. And now I realize that my explanation is only making it more confusing. But it's a good show, and they're rebooting it, but it's going to be grown-ups instead of kids. And it's going to be great, and I want to be on it. Imagine, like, American Ninja Warrior, but Indiana Jones themes themed with kids and that's basically what it was and (laughs) it it had some other you know elements to it but it is it is fun and it is ridiculous and i can't wait to see some adults just eat it on some of these on some of these uh uh, challenges oh you know that because it's going to be adults on the show they are going to they're going to up the degree of difficulty right like it's probably going to be ninja warrior style difficulty on all the physical challenges all the swimming and running and jumping you have to do so we're gonna see some grown-ups get hurt which sounds pretty freaking exciting awesome i see no problem they'll sign a waiver well um, let me ask you this because i'm i'm assuming that you are a child of the nickelodeon network and if there were another nickelodeon show because they had some great game shows on that network they really did just just banger after banger they were all solid if they could br- if you could bring back any one of those competitive Nickelodeon shows from your childhood, which are you rebooting? Is Double Dare just the too obvious answer? Oh, but Double Dare is such a good choice. I mean, you know, and maybe it's just because uh, I look back on it with nostalgia, but is to me, that was the first time I was ever aware of, like, those physical-type shows, like game shows, like, that weren't just, like, 
Jeopardy where you were thinking it was like a physical thing. And that was the first time I ever saw it. So, And plus, Double Dare had great humor, so I would like to see it rebooted. Well, it's Mark Summers. I mean, that guy's you know, an institution. So, True. I mean, the show that I loved, the competitive Nickelodeon show that I loved so much as a kid and was probably my favorite one, but I would not want to see it rebooted, is probably Nick Arcade. So Nick, oh, yeah. Nick Arcade was it was a video game theme show. Like so, the que- you would answer questions about video games. You'd play video games competitively, and then the big payoff, like the final thing that the winner of the show got to do, was they would put you quote inside a video game, and they would show you on the screen like jumping around in the video game. And I swear, I would have given ev- my lifetime earnings to be inside the video game. It seemed like the coolest thing in the world when I was eight years old, only for me to realize much later in life that all it was was they just put the damn kid in front of a green screen. Yep. <laughs> and what, like, I, got, I got a green screen behind me right now. I'm, I'm basically like a contestant on Nick Arcade. And once I realized that, like you could have told me that like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny at the same time were not real. It just it wouldn't have crushed me as bad as when I found out what the ending of Nick Arcade was and that you didn't actually get to go inside a video game. So yeah, I wouldn't want to see that one rebooted, but Legends of the Hidden Temple, absolutely. Temple uh, all the way. I think Temple is probably my number one and number two would be my my double dare. So. Oh my God. That's, I mean, that, that'd be a great back-to-back lineup. But here's the thing about these reboots, okay? That I want to be better about this because every time they reboot a show from my childhood, I always say, I'm going to watch that. Absolutely. When they were rebooting Boy Meets World, which was like one of my favorite shows growing up, like yeah. I think you know we we all were sort of in uh, Ben Savage's age range, so we kind of grew up with him on Boy Meets World. And so when they told me recently, oh, we're rebooting Boy Meets World, it's going to be Girl Meets World, and we're bringing back Mr. Feeny, I was like, oh, I'm totally going to watch that. I'm it's it, absolutely. I didn't watch a single episode. <laughs> and I'm so, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old now and I'm so afraid I'm going to do this with Legends of the Hidden Temple where I get so giddy with you and we do 10 minutes on the podcast about Legends of the Hidden Temple, Blue Barracudas, Red Jaguars, and we're not going to watch a, a, a damn episode because we have day jobs and we have things to do and we're busy and we're not going to watch a game show for kids. But, mm. you know, you know, cause we're, you know, we're old. I want to, I want to <laughs> watch it. Although I got to say, I was guilty of doing that with Sabrina, the teenage witch. So <laughs> me too. Me too. Uh, and I, I told myself I wasn't going to because, again, I loved yeah. that show growing up. Yeah. And, but, and the newer one is like dark and gritty. It's like it checks all the boxes for something mm-hmm. I would watch. And I, I just stopped. Yeah. All right, man. Wow. You've taken me on the roller coaster <laughs> of emotion to the bottom seller of shame here. Uh, what a journey. Well, um, that's what you come for to see me just despondent. That's right. Well, in true Leonard Patterson advice fashion, Zach. I want to give people a reason to stick with our show. And the guests that we got coming up for the next few weeks, I think are going to get that done. So next week, Eli Ball, the CEO of Lyric Financial, we're going to talk to him about alternative monetization models for artists, you know, basically getting artists into the investment side of things. May 26, we got NWA founding member Arabian Prince and Paul Hershenson coming in to talk about their new startup accelerator, Incubate Next, which is investing in underserved communities with business accelerators. And then June 2nd, you're going to like this one, Zach. I know you're a fan of hers. June 2nd, Mary Amber is going to be here. The original Break the Business guest, in my view, 
like the coolest Twitch live streamer around. The stuff she does on Twitch, I know would make Leonard Patterson give two thumbs up. She's got this platform down. She does some cool stuff on it. She does the music. She does the comedy. She does songwriting on Twitch. She's got it mastered. And so having, you know, having her talk about that and give her perspective as an indie creator on the platform is going to be invaluable. And we got so many other great guests coming up after that. Y'all are going to want to, if you're not doing so already, follow us uh, on Twitch, follow us on Twitter, be part of our community because it's only going to get better and stronger with your support. And we thank you very much for it. And Zach, thank you very much for coming on this week. It's been so much fun hanging with you. Man, thank you for having me. Uh, nothing else I'd rather do right now, except maybe playing some guitar on a Twitch stream. So we'll see how. Well, we're going to have some good times with this going forward with me bothering you and also Twitch streaming some music. Yes, let's make that happen. And of course, our, our thanks to Leonard Patterson for joining us as well. And thanks to all of you for joining us here on Break the Business. We will see you next week. Mm-hmm.